And welcome to Thursday on the Pure Opelka podcast. Mike here after the storm ravaged the Northeast. Yeah, we actually had a couple of tough days, one day without the internet. And that's a real revelation, how much we depend on the internet in our homes. Thank God for cell phones. But here we are back at full power, back at full strength. And oh, yeah, there's another storm or two on the way for those of us in the Northeast. Great. I really would like the snow, just a nice snowstorm over a day and a half of rain and wind. Please, God, make winter winter again. We'll get to that. 298 days until the election. Oh, my goodness. So many things to cover. I did not watch the uh, DeSantis-Nikki Haley debate live because you can go back and watch it later, and I didn't want to torture myself. I was busy watching Donald Trump's town hall at the same time on Fox and still waiting for the ratings to come out. I'm betting that Trump trounced CNN. I've got good money on that. We'll see what happens. Uh, Also, uh, the highlight reel, because you probably heard many of the clips from last night already. But let's give you the highlight, highlight, (laughs) yeah, the highlight reel, courtesy of uh, Mr. Reagan USA on Twitter. Well, what about any of the people who you've run against? Would you be open to mending fences with oh, any sure, of them? Oh, sure, I will. I will. I've already started like Christy better. Uh. <laughs> That's a really well-delivered line by Mr. Trump. Shortly after Chris Christie announced he was dropping out, no shock there. We even predicted it on radio in San Antonio more than, more than eight hours before the dropout or the rumors even appeared. I'll let Mr. Trump continue, but that was a good one. We are going to have the largest deportation effort in the history of our country. We have no choice. We have no choice. You know, um, thank you. I don't get eight million dollars for doing nothing like Hunter. I don't get I don't get five hundred thousand dollars. I don't get five hundred thousand dollars for doing a painting. It's not a bad idea, I guess, if you can get away with it. DeSantis, I don't know what he really believes because, you know, you never know with a politician and he's just another politician as far as I'm concerned. But, uh, you know, I watched him last night. He's standing up with his shoes, his fancy shoes. Uh, There are questions about how much a second term of a Donald Trump presidency, second term, would be about retribution and looking backwards and grievances and how much would be looking forward. I'm not going to have time for retribution. We're going to make this country so successful again. I'm not going to have time for retribution. And, and remember this, our ultimate retribution is success. Now, well, that, about- that line at the end there, I think, was the key line. A lot of people are pointing to some other things Mr. Trump said about knowing who his vice presidential pick is going to be. I don't think he's absolutely certain who that is. I know he's got a small list, at least I'm betting he does. But I don't think we're going to hear any real confirmed VP pick until the summer, till the convention. So let's not jump the gun on that. But that's a a great Trump-type way to manipulate what was going on last night. And the media ate it up. They've gobbled it up. So we'll see that. Uh, I also also am happy to announce, before we get into some of the other news, happy to announce we have a new sponsor on the show. We have a brand new sponsor on the podcast. I know we don't always have commercials playing in the podcast, but today we have to welcome our new sponsor, White House Senior Living. 
At White House Senior Living, our residents feel right at home. Our vibrant facility offers delightful activities and outings, round-the-clock professional care, and exquisite house-made meals. Well, I've been eating everything that's put in front of me. But I've been eating all, all Italian food, basically. And ice cream. And ice cream. Chocolate chip ice cream. White House Senior Living, where residents feel like presidents. Now, of course, that's not really a sponsor. That's a brilliant parody ad from Real Power Tie on Twitter X. Real Power Tie on Twitter X. And it comes on the heels of my playing the New Year's Eve interview with Ryan Seacrest and the president when I said he sounded like a resident of a senior facility when somebody comes to visit and they say, are you eating Pop Pop? And Pop Pop, yes, yeah, I eat everything they put in front of me and I get my ice cream. Yes, chocolate chip ice cream. Yes. Yeah, but somebody did a great job here. I've tweeted out a link to it. You should see it. It's well done with video. Uh, a full comedy parody, only 30 seconds, and really nicely done. We don't always get these. These are fun to have. But uh, I wish we had sponsors. We don't. That's okay, too. Uh, other stories that we have to get into. Uh, it got tense in the press room yesterday with uh, Corinne Jean-Pierre having uh, a little bit of a wrestling match with Peter Ducey. The, uh, the good old days when the deuce would grind questions and uh, we would have KJP trying to answer, trying not to answer as she answered. Yesterday was one such day as we looked at, as we watched it, uh, we, we were seeing KJP trying to, trying to say that uh, her boss, even though he's 40% of the time on vacation, it's really working hard, working around the clock. I have a couple of things I can share with what the president is doing today. Um, as, he, as he always does, he's working around the clock, focusing on the issues that matter to the American people, everyday Americans, obviously. Uh yeah, but you can never tell us anything he's doing, can you? No, we, we never hear anything that he's doing. We never get a single word out of KJP as to what he's doing. Just the binder pages being flipped back and forth and back and forth. Now, they are trying to take credit for a decrease in the huge surge of migrants across our southern border. And maybe some of that's because uh, Mexico's decided to slow down the parade. But then Mexico also wants $20 billion from us. They want their beak wet. Because the cartels will tell them how much money to ask for. You know, if you cut down the trafficking of the cartels, someone's got to make up for that revenue. Come on. So they're taking credit for this as a decrease. Okay. Uh, so we have seen results in... Um in uh, the the uh, migration of, of migrants, right? We've seen a decrease because of the actions that President uh, President of Mexico has taken, uh, and so again, because of this these diplomatic conversations, they have been effective. We see them as being effective. Well, we'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll see if things perk right up again, which I think they are. Working around the clock, the migration of migrants. Yes, we've seen a decrease in the migration of migrants. The migration of my, I know that's wrong. I shouldn't, but uh, Joe Biden's working around the clock. I just want you to know he's working around the clock. 
Uh, KJP uh, didn't really want to get into answering questions about Hunter and the theatrics of Hunter Biden in the uh, House hearing room yesterday. And uh, so uh, she dodged it. Should have answered it, in my opinion. Did the president speak to his son before or after his appearance on Capitol Hill? I'm not going to speak to the president's private conversation with his families. Hmm, not going to speak to the president's private conversation. Well, what about the next physical? When, when's the president going in for his physical? Because I think the last one was about a year ago, right? When is the president's next physical scheduled? Last year it was in February. I don't have anything uh, to share on the president's next physical. Obviously, we will once once that happens, we will be transparent and share that with all of you, as we've done the last uh, two times. I just don't have anything on the books to share. No, and you won't either. Just because you say you're transparent doesn't mean you're going to be transparent. You're not. You won't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. There was another question about Hunter uh, that came up yesterday as well. Uh, what's the White House informed in advance that Hunter Biden would be uh, showing up at the House Oversight Committee's hearing on Capitol Hill today? So here's what I'll say, and I've said this many times before. Hunter, as you all know, is a private citizen. He's not a member of this White House. Uh, he makes his own decisions. Um, like he did today about how uh, to respond to Congress. And uh, so I would refer you any further questions, any additional questions about uh, about this process, uh, certainly to I refer you to Hunter's uh, representatives. No, it would have really been great if the person asking the question had then followed up and said, I didn't ask you about Hunter. I asked you if the White House, meaning the president, was informed in advance that Hunter would be showing up at the oversight committee hearing. But we don't have a responsible mainstream media. So that question was not asked. And it should have been asked. It needed to be asked. But didn't happen. Did not happen. Now yesterday, uh, the story of Hunter Biden crashing into the House committee meeting, it was all a stunt for the cameras, for his upcoming documentary trying to make him look good and I have to say I, I give his team credit I thought that was a very clever stunt and everybody on the Democrat side knew it was happening and was ready everybody on the GOP side appeared to be stunned by it but there were some stars yesterday I thought Nancy Mace was great and I thought she delivered yesterday and made Hunter Biden scowl. I believe that Hunter Biden should be held completely in contempt. I think he should be hauled off to jail right now because it wasn't long ago, too, my friends on the other side of the aisle, um, that you also believed in the, the power of a congressional subpoena. Not long ago at all. You believed in holding those who refused to comply with a congressional subpoena accountable. Yep, that's true. That is absolutely true. And there was one great question from a reporter in the hall. I think it was uh, Fox's Jackie Heinrich. I think. I think that's who this was who actually got Hunter to answer a question when apparently his lawyer, Abby Lowell, had told him, yeah, don't talk to anybody. Just stand there. Look serious. And uh, we'll get plenty of footage for the documentary. and We can do a voiceover later. Uh, but this happened in the halls outside of the hearing room when Hunter ducked because Marjorie Taylor Greene was getting ready to rip him in half. Why did you show up today? 
Mr. Biden, did you show up to test? Why did you show up today? Why did you put your dad on speakerphone if he had nothing to do with your business? You put him on speakerphone multiple times to talk to your business partners. Why did you? Why did you do that? So Hunter said, you know, do you have a dad? I answered the phone when my dad called and uh, she said, well, you know, it's in the middle of a business meeting. Should you have been doing that? It was very well done as a stunt, but I thought that was a great question as well. Yesterday, we will uh, we'll see now uh, the second chapter in this documentary series is going out to California. Hunter flew west last night with his Secret Service protection. He has to appear in a Los Angeles courtroom for an arraignment on the tax charges, which apparently are pretty darn serious. Pretty darn serious. We'll find out what happens on that and if his dad is going to give him uh, a pardon, which is quite possible that he will. As a matter of fact, I, I would put money on it that if uh, Joe Biden knows he's not going to be the nominee, if Joe Biden knows that it's going to be a Republican president and Hunter is in the middle of a trial or about to be sentenced, I think he's just going to pardon him because he won't care at that point. And then right off into the sunset of the uh, Delaware beaches. Now, we talked about the border and we talked about the uh, dereliction of duty of not just the president, but the, uh, but the uh, secretary of, uh, of Homeland Security. We've talked about uh, Alejandro Mayorkas uh, just not even close to doing his job. But here's the thing. Joe Biden actually has a record on the border that if the Joe Biden border record from the past, from 2007, were applied today, I don't think we'd have nearly the problem that we have right now. I went back to some of the old 2007 campaign speeches from Joe Biden, and uh, I'm, I'm amazed at how much I agree with him. Back in 2007, Joe Biden wanted a strong border. It makes sense that no great nation can be in a position where they can't control their borders. It matters how you control your borders, not just for immigration, but it matters for drugs, terror, a whole range of other things. How about that? Drugs, terror, and of course, the strength of a nation. That's 2007. You'll notice the clarity in the voice. The guy's capable of putting a couple sentences together. He continued talking about the border and immigration. This nation is such that people in the country should have the first opportunity to be able to have jobs that pay well and have jobs that are decent. And that after that, the second crack goes to what we may need from other parts of the world or, other, or, or any other input. Hmm. Kind of an America first policy, isn't it? Yeah, let the people here have the first crack at everything. The people who are citizens who pay the taxes should have the ability to have first chance to have the good life as American citizens. Hmm. Joe even talked about having more protection on our southern border. Can you imagine that? Having actual protection on our southern border. 
we have to. We have to. And I had been arguing for, when I'm back in my days as chairman of the Judiciary Committee, and straight through in the, as the leader of the Foreign Relations Committee, I've been arguing for the need to put more protection at our borders. Yeah. I, I know it's, it's completely 180 degrees away from where this administration is right now. And in 2007, at this same event, Joe Biden campaign event, Biden actually predicted what we're experiencing today. 15 years from now, we're going to be saying, what are we going to do about the flow of illegals into the country of the United States of America? He predicted it. That was 2007. He predicted in 2022, we'd be having a problem. Well, if only 2007, Joe Biden would be leading the charge against what's happening, the invasion on our southern border. If only 2007 Joe Biden were able to stand up and speak up, but he's not. He can't for many reasons. The party wants this. They really do want it, and they've been telling us for a while, and now they're starting to say the quiet part out loud. But the people are, are standing up. You're seeing the people in New York going, hold on a second. You've taken our kids out of school because you're housing migrants. Next thing we're going to hear is cities are going to be commandeering VRBOs and using those as uh, housing for migrants. We're, we're already seeing the story out of Maine that came through yesterday that uh, Maine is now paying rent for the people that they are absorbing. What about the people who are having trouble making their rent payments? According to a report today, one in four Americans who rents their housing, one in four are having trouble paying the rent. But now we're seeing Maine pay the rent for the migrants. It's unsustainable. And even uh, John Fetterman has now admitted there's a crisis at our southern border. There's a crisis at the border. And uh, I don't know how anybody could pretend that there isn't. No, you can't. You can't. Uh, Fetterman, by the way, yesterday, uh, a clip came out of John Fetterman at the Pennsylvania Farm Show. And uh, again, Fetterman, he's, he's solid on, on the removal of Senator Robert Menendez, who's melting down these days. He's solid on the southern border. And I think he's absolutely solid on the state of Israel. I would ask anyone, if anyone that believes in a ceasefire, I would just say, let's just, let's call for Hamas to surrender and, and we'll put down their guns. And then that would end all of the misery and the killing and, and, and everything. Uh, you know, I believe to be on the right side for Israel on this. And I believe that we will never have peace or a stable two-state solution unless we destroy Hamas. Brilliant. Agree. I'm with you, sir. Well done. Yeah, the old adage is absolutely correct. If, uh, if Hamas puts down its arms, we have peace in the Middle East. If Israel puts down its arms, there's no more Israel. Fetterman gets it. I hate to say that, but he does. And I really hope we get to talk to him one day. We are asking, and uh, in great seriousness, we're asking to sit down with him. It might take a while, but I'm not, not giving up. A couple other things to keep your eye on today. Donald Trump is uh, going to be in a New York courtroom today for closing arguments in the uh, insane fraud trial against him. 
the trial with no victims, the case with no victims. And yesterday, the judge uh, basically put the clamps on Donald Trump speaking in his own defense in the closing arguments, which is absolutely insane. Yeah, we're living in uh, the Soviet Union when it comes to New York courts. And um, today, CNN, just about uh, two hours ago, actually had a, uh, a screen that had the headline, uh, Trump to campaign from court by attending civil fraud case. So they're claiming that Donald Trump is campaigning just because he's appearing in a courtroom with the final arguments in a case against him, which if it's decided against him, it's pretty much a, a foregone conclusion. This judge is going to fine Donald Trump hundreds of millions of dollars because that's what the district attorney wants. And uh, it's going to happen that way and maybe even be banned from doing business in the state of New York. But CNN thinks Donald Trump showing up to protect his interests and his millions is 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 campaigning. Good job on journalism, CNN. Really good job on journalism. Uh, What what a shame. What an absolute shame CNN has become. There were a couple other interesting moments yesterday I want to share with you. One of them involved uh, Vivek Ramaswamy. Vivek Ramaswamy has stood up and said he's going to file an amicus brief to the Supreme Court arguing uh, that Donald Trump's uh, name needs to be on the ballot in uh, Colorado. We'll see what happens with that. I don't know if that's going to be a big help. But I I thought yesterday this uh, video bounced with uh, Vivek Ramaswamy, who's pretty much done. Uh, he needs to drop out just like Chris Christie did. And what a long, painful retirement from the campaign was Chris Christie's speech yesterday. It was like, get on with it, man. Just go. We all know you're going, so just go. We don't need to hear a half an hour of why. Just go. But uh, Ramaswamy doesn't really have a chance of winning any of these primaries, but he might be Donald Trump's spokesperson. He might end up being a press secretary. I've said that before. I know a lot of people are saying, no vice president. No, it's going to be a female. Trust me on this one. If Trump is the nominee, it will be a female. And one of three. It will either be Sarah Huckabee Sanders, Nancy Mace. No, not Nancy Mace, but maybe Elise Stefanik. Elise Stefanik or Christy Nome, South Dakota governor. We'll see. But yesterday, Vivek was in front of a bunch of reporters yesterday and uh, decided he needed to take them to task. If this is okay, and uh, I'm just kind of curious on the, the previous question that you yeah. those four things that were provably false. Yes. Were in the, and I'm just kind of curious. I know some of these guys, we've been following some of you guys. I'm curious if there's any national media who actually believe that they were so this is a person in Iowa asking Vivek if uh, he believes any of the national media will admit to being wrong on so many, so many news stories, especially the ones that, that hurt Donald Trump's chances in, in getting elected. Actually, it's a good question, Eddie. So Eddie's a, one of the, you guys are colleagues, colleagues, two of the top state reps here. And I think that that's a good it's a good thing to be curious about. Just by, by show of hands, who here is willing to admit 
that the Trump-Russia collusion hoax was indeed incorrectly reported by the mainstream media. Is there anybody here able to admit that that was incorrect reporting? It wouldn't be really appropriate for us to answer the question. Why not? Why would that be inappropriate? I think it would be inappropriate. What's inappropriate is lying to the public. Now, one of the reporters goes, uh, we, we really can't answer that question. That's an inappropriate question. He says, why not? It's inappropriate to lie to the public. He's right. And this, this reporter who really was stupid even to engage is now finding that they're going to have to uh, respond or answer the questions. Oops, I got my foot caught in the trap. Why not? Why would that be inappropriate? I think it would be inappropriate. What's inappropriate is lying to the public. We're just, we're doing our job. Was the public lied to or did the, did the media report on the set of facts that were provided? So, now, somebody asked a very interesting question. Was the public lied to or did the media just report on a set of facts that was presented to them? And I'm guessing it's probably a combination of both because the media gets talking points from the DNC. Donald Trump does uh, his talking points go out every day. The RNC talking points go out. But the mainstream media, which listens to the Democrats, gets its talking points every morning. That's why you hear the same message across MSNBC, ABC News, CNN, CBS. They use the same language, the same verbiage. Talking points. But this woman wants to know. So were they actually reporting uh, talking points or were they doing the investigation? They're not investigating. They're too lazy. I, so that's, that's a fair question. I actually think that the public was lied to long after the media systematically still understood that this was the product of the Steele dossier. The Steele dossier was a piece of Russian disinformation provided by the Hillary Clinton campaign that was served up to the federal government as a basis for issuing a FISA warrant to then potentially infiltrate a member of the opposition party. Now, that is a great connecting of the dots. The Steele dossier, funded by the Clinton campaign, was made up and then handed to the government so the government could say, oh, my God, we need a foreign surveillance warrant. And then we'll go after Trump because we think there's some sort of connection to Russia there. He connected the dots very well. Once that was exposed, the media should have turned on the Russia, Russia, Russia hoax and on the uh, on, uh, on the Steele dossier. But they didn't. Just like the Hunter Biden laptop. If you haven't seen this, it's about five and a half minutes long. It is well worth your while. It is well worth you checking out. So I encourage you to do that. I will uh, post again a link to that as well. A couple other stories that we have to pay attention to. Watch what's happening in Georgia. As we're now finding Fannie Willis, the woman who brought this case against Trump and has has brought in like 18 or 19 defendants. It turns out she hired a guy to be the uh, lead prosecutor and he's never prosecuted a, a felony case ever in his life history ever. And she's been paying him $650,000 plus. And uh, she even went to the White House with him earlier this year twice to consult with the White House about what? Were they getting direction from the Biden administration on, on how to push against Donald Trump? It certainly feels like there's collusion there. And now we're finding 
that uh, Fannie Willis may have been romantically attached to this guy. They may have taken some pretty expensive vacations together. And the wife of the guy who's getting $630,000 has now filed a complaint as well. Hmm. I wonder if there's more here. A couple of other stories that are catching my eye. One that, um, one that needs a, a little uh, pat on the back. A few days ago, we had the state of Ohio and the governor, DeWine, vetoing a bill that would have protected children and women, girls, from the trans madness. It would have protected the kids from uh, transgender surgeries if they're under 18. And uh, it also would have stopped men from competing against women in uh, women's sports. The House yesterday overrode the governor's veto of that bill. It will go to the Senate, I think, next week or in about 10 days. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, Governor DeWine did try and cover his tracks by issuing an executive order after he vetoed that bill. That executive order banned trans surgeries on children. We still got a problem. We have a big problem there. So I'm, I'm happy to keep my eyes on that for you. Big stuff. Uh, are you eating beef? If you are, I know a lot of people enjoy beef. I do, usually once or twice a week. Uh, beef production has been on the slide because of the winter weather. This always happens whenever we have a spate of uh, snowstorms. Uh, beef production drops. We've, we've had that, and so prices are going up. Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's time you rely on your freezer a little bit. We shall see. We shall see. I know there's a lot of talk about the sports world and all the football coaches getting fired, etc. I'm more ticked off at the NFL allowing a playoff game to only be seen on a streaming service. It just seems like the playoffs have always been open to everybody. So the Chiefs game, Sunday night, the Chiefs and the Dolphins game, apparently, as of this point, will only be available on NBC's Peacock service which I think is a bad idea, NFL. And a lot of people are standing up and saying, hey, you got to stop this. You got to stop it now. We'll see what happens. We will, we will watch that. We will monitor that. We will see how it comes out because maybe, just maybe, we will witness a, uh, a flip and that game will be available to everyone. Uh, oh, I see he's here. Uh, Dr. Michael Royzen joining us from the Cleveland Clinic, as he does every week. We talk about health and wellness, and uh, I, I'm looking over his list of, of great research topics we have to talk about. I'm going to start with the marijuana topic when we get him in here. Dr. Royzen, I am so happy to have you here. Uh, welcome, my friend. It's a privilege to be here, especially we should recognize your physical activity you've had to do to clean up your uh, yards, house, and all that in uh, northern uh, Delaware. Yes. Um, because that's a lot of work. So, and the good news about physical activity is it keeps making you younger. Uh, I spent a lot of time cleaning up, and I'm worried because they're telling us, oh, don't worry, we're, we got two or three more of these storms coming through in the next month. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Very how, do they know, how do they know that far in advance? They look at the patterns now. You know, the, these weather forecasters, they can't tell you what tomorrow's going to be, but they can tell you in 10 days, we're going to have a storm. They, they can see patterns with reasonable clarity these days in terms of tropical depressions, et cetera. So 
while we haven't had snow here in uh, Delaware in quite some time, uh, I'm not enjoying, not appreciating the rain and the wind. I'd rather have uh, a nice snowy day than 14 hours of rain and then the wind. So I, I'm sure you've got snow in Cleveland, right? We don't have it yet. We've had a little bit, but nothing on the ground now. Um, we're supposed to get some on Saturday. Um, but, uh, you know, the, this global warming that that volcano apparently caused uh, is making Cleveland a uh, vacation hotspot. <laughs> <laughs> that's i you're making me laugh doc that's one of the things i when i think of cleveland i think of rock and roll and some great sports teams but i've never thought gee vacation hotspot there uh, isn't it the mistake on the lake isn't that one of the nicknames of cleveland <laughs> that's that's from a detroit basketball team that isn't doing very well <laughs> okay uh, let's get into some of this week's research uh, I, i'm looking here doc and uh, I saw this report about one in eight older adults reported using cannabis in the past year. Is that really a surprise? And uh, are there benefits that may be sparking that as well? Um, you know, the, the interesting thing is we don't know. And part of this is due to the, remember, way back when the Nixon administration declared this a schedule one drug that is marijuana and that and it's still a schedule one in the federal dea which means you can't study it across state lines it's a felony to actually take it across state lines and the problem is if you can't study it if you can't make it uniform if you can't have the same drug in uh, albany new york as you have in delaware as you have in washington dc it means it's very tough to study, and thus it's very tough to know, is there benefits or greater than risks? Hmm. We've learned a bunch of risks. We learned that vaping it causes um, four times as much lung damage as cigarettes from a standpoint of inflammation. That is, one joint equals four cigarettes. We've learned that the particles it puts in air four times as much as a cigarette for everyone else in the room. Um, and we've learned that there is a risk of cannabis-induced use disorder in about one in eight people. And we think it probably has some benefits, but it's very tough, except in the few cases where there's a epileptic seizure focus that it can quiet we know that cbd seems to have a limited functioning in improving sleep quality but other than that we're really still in the dark on this because of it's a schedule one drug and isn't studied very well because no one's got the proprietary blend if you will that they'll be able to patent in this worldwide well that makes sense all of that makes sense but i i don't want to be surprised when i hear that the the people who were probably smoking marijuana when they were 18 till when they were in their 20s and maybe 30s are now using it as they are seniors older adults especially when we look at states that are legalizing personal use and there are many of them 
But I, I would like to see the ability for researchers to have consistency on the information so that we could know, is it valuable? I, I don't know if I've told you, I think I have. My niece uses medical marijuana and it has stopped her seizures. I think she's now six or seven years without uh, the, the pharmaceuticals she was taking after beating uh, leukemia, but she was having seizures based on the meds. But once they put her on a medical marijuana patch, she has not had a seizure in those years, Doc, and it's been a miracle for her. So there's there that. definite benefit for a small segment of the seizure market. There is no doubt about that. That's been shown um, in randomized controlled trials. So that is correct. Well, that's good. The now, the interesting thing is, yes. Um, you know, when I was a kid in that era of the summer of love in San Francisco, I was a medical student and the summer of love was in between first and second year medical school. We often said, hey, we didn't smoke, but we did inhale. That is in the summer of love when the Loving Spoonful and the Grateful Dead and other bands would play two free concerts every Sunday in the park. There was clearly a yellow haze above where we were reading our medical books and our textbooks. So we did inhale at that time. But we're told now that the THC content is um, has been selected for and is much, much stronger than the uh, marijuana of our youth. Yeah, I'm, I'm hearing the same thing. And I'm probably uh, nearly four decades away from whatever casual encounters I had with marijuana, but, and I have no plans to go back. I, I might in the future consider gummies, but I have no interest really. I'm fine with my glass of red wine every day. Uh, Doc, let's talk about this study, which I think makes sense, but it's about pets bringing a health boost to single seniors and their brains. Why just single seniors? Isn't having a pet in your life good for just about every senior? Well, they, they looked at this in a systematic fashion and found out, yes, dogs will lower blood pressure in people who are both single and married. But with that exception, it is a cat and a dog, our companionship, that's the major benefit in non-single family households, um, there was no benefit from length of life. This is a British study hmm. looking at 7,900 people who were 66 years of age or older, and it was only those who lived alone and had a pet where there was a true um, physiologic benefit, if you will. And they looked at brain functioning, and they found actually an improvement in brain functioning when they adopted a pet versus when they didn't. And I'm sure part of that, especially with the dog, is related to their physical state, because if you have to walk a dog every day, that's going to get your steps in, that's going to get your activity going. And then if you have to remember to feed them and take care of them, that's going to work on your brain function, too. So pets are good, people. Pets, especially if you're by yourself, companion animal, a very good thing. And I endorse making sure you get out there and adopt from a shelter. Just get yourself a nice shelter, Doc. Doc, the, the other study or other story we talk about all the time in this country is the excess weight we're carrying. 
And I thought we had maxed out in terms of our obesity problem. And I'm seeing on your list that it looks like young kids are getting worse. This bothers me. Yeah, and, and it bothers everyone that's in the medical field because if your child is uh, overweight and, and obese, he or she is more likely to stay that way the rest of their life. <laughs> so this is a test question for you, Michael. Okay. What, what percent of children are now obese? That is, if you look at age uh, 6 to 16, Six to sixteen. What percentage of the population is obese? I would. This isn't just overweight. This is obese. This is obese. Okay. Yeah, that's bad. I, I would say we're probably at forty-five percent. Oh no, it's, that's way too high. Remember, as the country as a whole, we're only around forty-three percent obese, including all the adults. Okay. With that in mind, I'm going to lower my my guess to twenty-two percent. Um, it's only ten percent. Really? Okay. But it is. But it is up. It is. It is back to the level um, that was in two thousand and nineteen. Believe it or not, kids in two thousand and twenty and twenty one actually had lower weights than they did in two thousand nineteen. A couple percent. Now they've gained all that back. So the pandemic got the kids skinnier, and now after the pandemic, it looks like where the kids are packing the weight back on? Um, that's opposite what we did as adults, but yes. Wow, that's crazy. That is crazy. But I, I know I, I guessed way high, but 10% of the population is still way too high. Now that's obese, yeah. and it is 27 plus percent more are overweight. Mm. Still, and remember, this is as young as we're counting kids as young as six. Six years old. Oh, that, that breaks my heart. So if Dr. Roizen were to write a prescription for all the kids six to 16 in order to get them to consider uh, changes in their life, uh, would you do something like the President's Council on Physical Fitness, an updated food pyramid, or or pharmaceutical answer or a combination? You've got to get kids to have more physical activity and less of what we call the fast food and prepared food. I would do something about taxing prepared food and uh, ultra-processed food. Yeah, you got... Um, you you got me you know, looking at, at, at ingredients, Doc. You got me looking and make sure I'm seeing uh, whole grains on things. And fewer ingredients means better for you. You said ultra-processed foods. Those processed foods can't be good for us. They really are bad for us. And if you see the word fructose on the label, high fructose corn syrup, corn syrup, corn sugar, etc., those, according to the data from... Richard Johnson at the University of Colorado have an especially bad problem because what they do is they cause us to eat more. Hmm. How do they do that? Well, it turns out that what he's shown is that when you have fructose, you put it inside the cell and it depletes your ATP, your energy stores. And so the cell saying it's got its self-regulating battery says, hey, we need more food because we got to produce more ATP. And so you eat more 
And of course, if you eat more high fructose corn syrup type foods, that'll deplete the ATP more and you'll want to eat more and more. And that's wow. the, the, un, the disvirtuous cycle, otherwise known as a vicious cycle. Um, and it, it turns out that's one of the tricks that the bear uses before it hibernates. It eats a lot of fruits and berries, which have a lot of fructose in them. And for us, berries and fruit, we don't eat any place near as much as a bear does. But they go away from eating fish. They eat the fruit and berries, and they get a lot of fructose, which means they keep eating more and more, and it puts on fat, which allows them to hibernate. We don't need that. We don't need to be hibernating bears. We, we need to be healthier. I really pay attention to what you eat, people. You're putting in stuff into the system. Dr. Royson says, eat foods that love you back, which I agree with wholeheartedly. Follow Dr. Royson on Twitter. Great stuff on Twitter, X, as well as the Longevity Playbook, longevityplaybook.com. My friend, thank you once again. I am smarter just for knowing you. And I, because of you, thank you. And there he goes. And here I go. Checking out for Thursday. Uh, we should be back Friday with a full podcast. No radio show this weekend. If you'll just follow me on Twitter or go to puropelka.com, you'll see the stories that have attracted my attention as well as my schedule. Uh, Till next time, I'm reminding you, testudo, my friends, testudo.